0: Well, on Sunday, we we touched upon some of the things that I was going to talk about tonight to do with uh, grace, and we were talking about the perfect mediator. And in our month-long study this month, it's been about the perfect man, and we ended up on Sunday talking about the perfect mediator. And I went through all the imperfect mediators that had been in, in the Old Testament that God had chosen to try and get us to that point but none of them could make it none of them were perfect so I explained that tonight I would go into a little bit more detail on the angelic mediation and so we're going to look at that and look at the law and how that in the Old Testament it operated because there seems to be a big difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament how do we explain that how do we understand that And I know I've taught this before, but it's probably been about three or four years, and I thought I would go into a lot more detail to refresh us tonight, and also to build faith, to give us an understanding about God and His nature. Amen. So we're going to start off by looking at Romans 5 and 13, which says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed. That means it wasn't written down. It's not accounted for. When there is no law, nevertheless, and this is what I talked about on Sunday, death reigned from Adam all the way to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. And that's interesting what that scripture says. We're not going to do a deep dive into that right now. But what I want to, to look at is people have a stumbling block. When they look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, they see a, a harshness, um, a, a, a s- observed difference in the operation, it seems, of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And it causes many people to have a, a, a stumbling on their face. So we're going to look at that. It, does God change? Is the God of the Old Testament the same as the God of the New Testament? In Malachi Chapter 3 and verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, his sons of Jacob are not consumed. In other words, because he is really a God of mercy and his grace, he doesn't bring judgment right away. Amen. In fact, in the New Testament, it says about Jesus the same thing. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. So then... Why do we see such a difference in the Old Testament? Why were the punishments so harsh? You know, for breaking God's law, nearly every punishment was death uh, by stoning. Why was that? Why is it in the New Testament, as I said on Sunday, when the, the, the disciples wanted to call down fire, Jesus said, no. He rebuked them, the scripture says, and he says, you know not of what spirit you are. So we're going to look at that. Why was God's relationship to man in the Old Testament so different from the New Testament? Well, the truth of the matter is in the Old Testament, God very rarely dealt directly with men. That's number one. The second thing was that when the law was given, as I said on Sunday, the Bible tells us it was there to highlight sin, to make sin in the New Testament, says, more sinful or appear more clearly as sin. There was no, well, maybe that was okay or maybe that was not. God gave it so that man could have a, a line of de- demarcation between sin and not sin. And the other reason that the Old Testament was different is that God used angelic mediators and God used human mediators to, to interpret the law and to um, carry out the judgments of the law. The mediators had the power to interpret. The law. So we're going to start really from Moses on, on Mount Sinai. He had run away from Egypt and he had run out to Midian and had been there 40 years. And then in the 40th year, he was with the sheep on, on the mountain and he saw a burning bush. And he saw this bush burning and he was expecting it to just burn up and be done. But the bush kept on burning... ...without being consumed. So he decided he would turn aside and see what was going on. That this bush was burning and yet it was not consumed. And we're going to look very closely now at what the scripture says. We're going to read it with our eyes open. Right? Read it with your eyes open. What does it say here? And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush... And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So there it's telling us something right away. It said the angel, what he saw was a flame, and what he saw in the bush was the angel, and the, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. Now, verse 4 says, and when the Lord, and when I said, when I said it was capitalized, that means in the Hebrew it's Jehovah. Jehovah. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, now it says God called unto him. So it says when the Lord, and that word in the Hebrew is Jehovah, and then when it says God, it's Elohim, called unto him out of the midst of the bush. So we see three things going on right away. What he saw was a flame of fire and an angel of the Lord. And then the voice he heard, it said it was God called out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, "Here am I. I think I would have just run. <laughs> I think I'd have just run if I saw that kind of sight i would have I would have booked it, but Moses was expecting something, I think he had the tradition and the promises passed down to him about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. You know we should have had a tradition passed down to us, so if we see something su- supernatural." I don't think we should run, amen, because if we're filled with the Spirit, it's either going to be a victory or God's going to speak to us, amen. Verse 6, he says, moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, so there's a lot of stuff in those three verses. First of all, what he saw, the Bible tells us, was the angel of the Lord, What he heard was the voice of God, right? And because of that, he didn't want to look. He didn't want to look at what he thought was God because he knew that being imperfect, he would die. So we see that all through the Old Testament, God starts off with speaking to people, but not necessarily them seeing God. And the Bible tells us that it is impossible for flesh to see God, doesn't it? It's impossible for flesh to see God because we are imperfect and we are flesh. But God did speak directly to Moses. And you know the story. He told him that, it, that the cries of his people, Israel, had come up before him and it was time for deliverance. There will be a time of deliverance. There will be a time when God hears, hears your voice. Amen. I, when I was putting this lesson together... I came across a picture, and I'll, I'll, I don't know if I used it. Maybe I didn't use it, so I'll, I'll have to tell you. And in, this, in the in this story a little bit later, we see that um, Samson's mother wanted a child. And she wanted a child, and she went ages and ages without a child. And what struck me about this picture, I wish I had put it in here, in the, in the representation, what you saw in this picture was two old people with a little baby and it really spoke to me it really spoke to me that nearly every time god births something in the old testament it took some time that picture could have just as well have been of abraham and sarah couldn't it it could have been it could have been of hannah so i'm off topic already but just think about that that god sometimes takes his time anyway who spoke to Moses from the bush? Well, the, the, the scripture tells us explicitly it was God. But what he saw was the angel of the Lord. So now after all of the plagues that go through Egypt, God brings them out and God tells Moses something specific. He tells him in Exodus 20, 23, 20, He says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee. What does that mean, to keep thee? Well, it also means to guard thee, to protect you, to, to make sure. To keep thee in the way. If something's going to keep me in the way, that means when I'm stepping out the way, something's going to happen, right? It's going it's to pull me back. It's going to try and correct me. To keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. And then as I quoted Sunday, this amazing verse says, beware of him. Obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. What a, what a curious verse. For my name is in him. This is such a, an interesting verse. So when we look further in Scripture, we find that there are only uh, two named, explicitly named angels, right? Gabriel and Michael. And we're told later on that Michael is the angel that standeth up for my people Israel so although it doesn't tell us the name here there is something interesting about that name Michael in uh, in Hebrew the the translation of it it says it means who is like God who is like God so Michael means who is like God and in Daniel it tells us that he was the angel that was chosen to protect and lead Israel. And at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was, never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. So this scripture tells us explicitly the name of the angel. And in that name, we have the name of God, because it's composed of three syllables in the Hebrew and the last syllable is el which stands for god elohim elohim so we see that when god said my name is in him he was saying explicitly that his name had 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 representation in the name of the of the being michael my my name or god is in him so we see that all through the old testament then as we taught on sunday about the mediators There's many times where they just say, Lord. And my interpretation of that is that most of the time when they said, Lord, they were not speaking to God directly, but the angel of the Lord. Let's look at this example. And this is the scripture I was telling you about. When God wanted to send a son to Manoah and to his wife, an angel appeared. Let's read it in Judges 13.20. For it came to pass, when the flame went up towards heaven from off the altar, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. Manoah and his wife identified the angel and believed that they had seen God. Why? Because it was the angel of the Lord. It was, in fact, I believe, Michael, the angel of the Lord. We see this, this event also happen where uh, someone is wrestling with an angel in, in the book of uh, Genesis. And he's wrestling all night with the angel, right? And in Genesis 32, tw- uh, 32 and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. He says, for I have what? Seen God face to face, and yet I didn't die. Well, we know... That's another Bible study. What we'll say tonight is that obviously when they thought they saw God... They were seeing the angel, and they called the angel God. But we know for scripture to harmonize, it could not have been God in his divinity because the Bible says elsewhere that no man at any time hath seen God except through Christ Jesus, right? Except it's been revealed through the Spirit. But before the coming of permanent indwelling of the Spirit, it says no man at any time hath seen God by man there it's fallen man, Ish, not Adam, not son of God. See, because the Spirit is what brings us to God, right? Those that are led by the Spirit, to them gave he power to become a son of God. But in the, New Test, in the Old Testament, by chapter 6, it starts calling man Ish and woman Isha, meaning mortal man. And what it's saying is that no mortal man at any time hath seen God. Not in his Shekinah spirit form. But many times they thought they had seen God. But what they had seen was the angel. Right? That's what Moses, the scripture explicitly says. He saw the angel of the Lord, but he heard the voice of God. And so, of course, he's going to call that God. And he's not wrong to say God spoke to him because God did. What I'm saying is that most of the time in the Old Testament when it says Lord... That they were speaking directly to the angel of the Lord, not to God Himself, and I'm going to try and show that. John 1:18. What does it say? No man hath, hath at any time had seen God. At any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Jesus Himself said, "No man cometh to the Father, but by Me." So no man at any time hath seen God. Right. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. The only way we see God is now through the Spirit. But in the Old Testament, before the Spirit was given, all they saw was a representation of God. The closest anyone came to actually seeing God was Moses and possibly Cain. But most of the time when it says the Lord... It was the angel of the Lord. And I'm going to show that. Let's read the rest of this scripture. Hosea 12:2 says, The Lord hath also a, a controversy with Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways, according to his doings, will he recompense him. And he took his brother by the heel in the womb and by his strength he had power with God. So the, 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 the writers interpreted the, the battle as fighting God, but in many other places it's very clear explicitly look verse 4 it says he had power with God but then verse 4 says "Yea, he had power over the angel the angel and prevailed he wept and made supplication unto him and he found him in Bethel and there he spake with us So, so in the Old Testament what I'm trying to say is the reason why the Old Testament seems so different from the New Testament as I was saying is because of the mediator The mediators in the Old Testament were angelic and they were human. Let's look at this again. In 1 Chronicles 21, 18, after David had sinned by having Israel numbered without paying the offering that should go along with numbering Israel, God sent the angel of the Lord to bring judgment. And after David ask God for mercy, it says that God commanded the angel to stop because he was destroying. And the angel stopped, but he didn't put away his sword. He still had his sword. And finally, this is what happens. Then the angel of the Lord spoke and commanded the prophet Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar. So the angel now of the Lord spoke to the prophet Gad to tell David that David should build an altar. On the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Which is in fact the place where a few years later his son Solomon was actually going to build the temple. So the place where the angel commanded that an altar be built was in fact the place where in Jerusalem the temple was going to be built. So now here's what happened. And David went up at the saying of Gad which he spoke in the name of the Lord. So that shows you that although the angel spoke it, it came as if, and it was said as if God said it. Do you see that? And David went up and, at the saying of Gad. So Gad came and told him, you are to build an altar, which he spake in the name of the Lord. But really, it's the name of the angel of the Lord. But many times, I believe they did not fully say that. And it was okay to call him Lord, because God said, my name is, is in him that's in Exodus the very first chapter and then of course the bible tells us that in the old testament we were under the rulership tutelage that's a better word of the angels hebrews chapter 2 verse 2 says for if the word spoken by angels so they weren't just mute beings just standing there but they spoke and gave commands they spoke and gave commands the Bible says in Hebrews, it says, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, that means immovable, what they said was law. And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Right? That's what Hebrews 2 2 says. And in verse 5 of the same chapter, it gives us the implication that now because Jesus said it's finished, what happened when Jesus said it's finished? I say it every Sunday. The veil tore in two. What was on the veil? Angels. What it was showing is that the rulership, the mediation, had changed. We no longer had to get our orders from angels. But we could come boldly to a throne of grace. And that's what the, the, read, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. You know what he was implying? He was implying that previous to Jesus, everything was under the subjection and rulership of the angels. So, in Hebrews two two, the writer says, for if the word spoken by angels, what was the word spoken by angels? What was this word that the angels spake? Well, I did read it Sunday in Numbers 15, right? When they caught someone breaking the Sabbath, picking up sticks. The it it, Bible says it was not declared what should be done to him. There was no rule that said what the punishment should be. So they brought him to Moses and Moses didn't know. So Moses went to the Lord. And the word spoken was by the angels was, he needs to be executed. Because that's all he could do. Remember in Exodus twenty-three twenty, it says, beware of him for he what? He will not forgive you. Aren't you glad you're under grace? We can come boldly to a throne of grace. is what it says in Hebrews 4, 16. There to obtain mercy. In the Old Testament, you go to the angel, no mercy. That's why God had to tell the angel to stop. He had killed 70,000 people in Jerusalem. 70,000 had died and he wasn't going to stop because that's all he could do. God had to tell him, stop. God had to interfere and say, stop. Because that's all he could do. He was just the enforcer. He had no ability to grant mercy. And and God said that right in Exodus when he was warning them. He told Moses, beware of him because my name is in him. As I said on, on Sunday, all he could do was show the attribute of God's justice. He could not mediate God's mercy, Sister Mary. No doubt, no doubt, God waited and God arranged it that way. No doubt, because that was on um, Mount Zion where the temple was going to be built. But there was—it was originally a threshing floor, where they, a high place where they took wheat and threw it up to to winnow the wheat. And it was right there that the angel stopped. God stopped the angel. But then the angel then told the prophet, "Build an altar." Because remember what I said when I did the series on angels, different ones. That angel, the cherubim, guards God's what? Holiness, right? It's man who is for God's glory. Isn't that amazing? We were made for God's glory. You have to go back and look at some of those lessons. The words spoken by angels. So Hebrews 2, 2 tells us not just that the law was given in the presence of angels... But that's what the scripture says. Or that it was conveyed in an orderly way. But it was actually the angels who communicated the law. If you read, and we're going to look at all these scriptures, but the law was actually spoken by angels to Moses. That's what the scripture says. The word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. The writer of Hebrews is saying, if, if people died... Under the law. And now we're under grace. And you reject God's grace and mercy. How much more punishment should we deserve? Those who have come to the light. Those who have an understanding of God's mercy. Because they they died when they were somewhat ignorant. We, we who have tasted, the Bible said, tasted of the heavenly gift. We have no excuse. Now, in Acts chapter 7 verse 52, we see more revelation Stephen was been had been arrested and he was brought before the Sanhedrin and he under the Holy Spirit I believe started to recount tell the story of God's relationship in the Old Testament with Israel and in verse 52 he says which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law What does it say? By the disposition of angels. That's giving us some revelation. It's saying that the law actually was mediated through angels. And that word disposition, if you look it up in the Greek, that's what it means. Arrangement, uh, disposition, ordinance. So explicitly it's telling us that the angels were the mediators, the carry-outers, if you want to put it, of the law. Let's look a little bit more. Galatians 3.19. Here's Paul again. Wherefore then serveth the law. What was the good of the law? What was it made for? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained. Here it is another scripture. By angels. So the scripture in Acts. we, We believe was written by Luke. So it wasn't the same person. So we have two witnesses now in the new testament they're saying the same thing that the law was mediated or actually spoken or given through the agency of angels it was ordained by the angels in the hand of a mediator the angels passed it to Moses who was the human mediator Deuteronomy 33:2 tells us explicitly that when they came up to mount Sinai I'll just read it and he said the lord came down came from Sinai and rose up from Sear unto them. He shined forth from Mount Perim, and he came with ten thousands of saints or holy ones. It's translated saints in the King James, but what it means holy ones. In other words, angels. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. For them. Okay. Now we're going to get into some really tricky, tricky things here. We're going to read the actual account of the giving of the law in Exodus, and you have to really listen. And really listen to each word what's happening here. So, and the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount and the Moses went up and the Lord said unto Moses, go down and charge the people lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze and many of them perish. Sounds like there's One Lord speaking about another, doesn't it? Let's read it again. And the Lord, capital letters, said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through. Remember, God had told them they couldn't come too close to the mountain. So you put a barrier. So this first being says, Moses, go down and make sure that they don't come down, or else the Lord is going to, if they gaze upon the Lord, they're going to die. So you see, they're using... The same word, Lord, for God and also the angel of the Lord. And let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. Now, if it had been one person, it would have said, lest they come near me and I break forth upon them. Do you see that? So let's look at that. The Lord descended upon the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses up. And the Lord said to him, so... We see in verse 24, Now, the Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you, but the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up. I'm putting it in a a modern translation. To the Lord, or He will break out against them. In a modern translation, they have recognized that it's not the Lord speaking about the Lord, but it's the angel of the Lord speaking about God. And so they've translated it or He will break out against them. Looking at the angel wouldn't kill you. Looking at God would. So what I'm showing is, in the Old Testament, many times they just said Lord when they were speaking about the angel of the Lord. So the difference between the covenants is the mediator. Not God. God has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And every time in the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, when someone got to speak to God directly, you know what they got? Mercy. Instead of death, they got mercy. Amen. When you come to God directly, you can get mercy, even if you deserve death. Amen. I've cried out to the Lord many times when I have messed up, and he has been merciful to me. Let's look at it. It's the mediator that was at fault. It was the angels who were at fault. Now these are the judgments. Exodus twenty-one one, Which thou shalt set before them. Exodus 21.12 He that smiteth a man so that he die shall be surely put to death. Well that sounds very good. That sounds right. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. So... If your child curse you, that was a death penalty. (laughs) I think children would behave a little bit differently. It was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Hand for hand, foot for foot. Burning for burning, wound for wound. I lick you, you get to lick me. It's a stripe for stripe. That was the Old Testament. It was the mediators that gave that. In fact, in the New Testament, it says the law was given by, did it say God? Isn't that strange? Isn't that really strange that it doesn't say the law was given by God? Even though we know it came from God, and the law was given by God, but the punishments was not. God gave no punishments to Moses when he gave the law. He gave the punishment for sin when? When was the punishment for sin given? In Genesis. The day thou eatest thereof, and that's why in Romans it said, death reigned, the very first scripture, death reigned even after those who had not sinned after the likeness or similitude of Adam. Everyone still died. So all these righteous people who were stoning people, you know what happened to them when they got old eventually? They died too because of sin. That's why God did not have to give any punishments. The punishments came from the angel of the Lord. That's why in the New Testament it says, the law came from, it was given by Moses, but grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. So the mediator of the New Covenant says, Here's what Jesus said. He is, he is countering what I just read in the Old Testament. He says, you have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, now we have the true mediator. We have the perfect mediator. But I say that he, res- he resists not evil. That means don't try and, and, and re- get revenge for yourself, is really what he saying. He's not saying don't resist evil. But in this case, don't try and be the person who gets back at everybody. Let God do it. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue you at law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twin. They must have been looking at him crazy. This is a radical thing to be saying to some Jews who've been brought up in Exodus. This is completely opposite to their understanding. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. That's the mediator of the new covenant. The old covenant, don't even go there. <laughs> don't try that. Because you would die. See, in Genesis two seventeen, this is what God told Adam. He said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof, and what does Romans five twelve says? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have at some point in your life sinned. Repeatedly. <laughs> not one time, but many times. Verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not being written down. God was not writing it down. Sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death still reigned from Adam to Moses. So that's why when God gave the Ten Commandments, He did not say you go stone people if they break it. Because what is it to God if someone dies now or 50 years from now? It's no big deal to Him. Everybody was still going to die. The only solution to this problem was Jesus Christ. See, in Adam... He he was given authority over all creation. Jesus was given authority over all creation. Remember it said in the similitude. He was tempted, but he failed. Jesus was tempted, but he passed. Caused all mankind to be infected with sin. It's like COVID, right? You may may try your best to not get infected, but eventually, if you live, you're going to get some kind of infection. It was not your fault. You didn't, you, know, you didn't go and eat some bat or monkey brains or whatever, wherever it started. But because of one man, sin infected the whole world. Caused all mankind to be infected with sin. But here's the great, great thing. Gave all mankind the opportunity to be forgiven for sin. That's the difference. Gave authority to Satan. That's what Adam did by obeying him. That's what the scripture says. To whomsoever you yield yourselves servants to obey his servant you become took authority back from Satan so now we are joint heirs with him isn't that awesome isn't that awesome see the consequences of sin before the law was for murder there was death of the body you were gonna you were gonna get stoned or even burnt And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it. At the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. That was what was going to happen. There was going to be a death of the body. For breaking God's covenant, it was going to be more severe. It was going to be death of the soul. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. And the uncircumcised man-child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. See, one was a physical law, but one was a spiritual law. For breaking God's covenant is going to be a death of the soul. For unpremeditated sin, that means you didn't plan it, you didn't, you did it, but you didn't plan it, there had to be a death of an animal. So I'm giving you the three categories. If you killed somebody, you had to pay with your life. If you broke God's covenant, you had to pay with not only your life, but your soul. If you did an unintentional sin, that was the only way you could get away with not dying, but something had to die, there had to be a sacrifice made. Of innocent blood. God did this for Adam. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. The implication here is, an animal died; it gave up its covering so that Adam and Eve could be temporarily covered. But in killing an animal, there was blood. See, that was the consequences for sin before the law even was really fully given. God said that. That's why when He gave the law, He didn't have to say any more. We were all going to eventually die. Ezekiel 18.20 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither does the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But if the wicked... This was God prophesying what would happen. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. You know, we forgive people, but we never forget. Yeah, we'll forgive them, but but God has promised that he cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. He is not holding it against you if you have truly repented. He's looking at you as a brand new baby when you come to him. You're as innocent. I've asked this question before, but who truly just looks at a, a, a newborn baby and hates them? You ever looked at a baby and said, I hate you. That's the only explanation. You'd have to be really evil to hate a newborn baby because they're, they're innocent. They... They're helpless. They can't do nothing. God is looking at you, if you have come to him, as a newborn. That's why Paul says, desire the the, the milk of the word. Have I any pleasure at all in the wicked should die? Here's what God's saying. This is why he didn't have to give a punishment. He says, have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? No. In fact, Jesus came to Jerusalem looking out at all these thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. And you know what he did? He wept. He cried. He grieved. Because he could see down the history what was going to happen, that all of these people, in fact, the Romans crucified over a million. They, they stripped whole forests and lined roads with crosses. Jesus was just looking at that, and he could see what was going to happen. The Bible said he looked at Jerusalem and wept. He says, how often would I have gathered thee? Would I have protected thee? You know, God says that to us today. How often he would have protected us, but we do our own thing. We just go our own way. Verse 20 says, have I any pleasure at all that the wicked, even a wicked person, God takes no pleasure in that death. That wasn't what you were created for. You were created to be a vessel of his glory. That's what you were created for, to be a vessel of his glory. In fact, he says that you were created for my glory. That's why we were made in his image and in his likeness. That's why angels couldn't die for us. Only Someone who was made in our likeness and image could could be the one. And that's why in Hebrews he said, a body have I prepared. See, the image of God is grace and love. True, God does have an attribute of justice and judgment. But in the Old Testament, the angel could only do that one part. And so the image that was portrayed was unbalanced if you only could read the Old Testament, your image of God would be of a very angry God calling down fire all the time. I could have put many other scriptures which showed what I mean. In fact, when Elijah called down fire, it says the angel of the Lord was the angel of the Lord. See, the real reason for judgment, and we're going to look at that, is that God is, was trying to bring us back to himself Exodus 31:14 he shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy unto you everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death for whosoever doeth any work therein that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Now that seems totally contradictory to what happened in the New Testament, doesn't it? And so that should tell you who was saying it. it wasn't Jesus? Remember what he said, they have said that you should have an eye for an eye, but I say. Moses said, it's okay to do this and this, but I say. You understand? The mediator was completely different. Whatsoever soul it be that eateth any manner of blood, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. All of this, all of this meant that they were going to be separated from God. That's what the judgment really came down to. The real judgment is separation from God. I'm just going to cut to Exodus 32, 33. And the Lord said to Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. When it says me, it's God speaking. It's God speaking. Him will I blot out of my book. As you saw, when it was the angel, he said he was speaking about the other Lord in Exodus. But here, it was di- directly God speaking to Moses. Said, him will I blot out of my book. See, you have to know God's true voice. Because there are many voices out there. There are fallen angels now speaking. In fact, the Bible says that's one of the things about the Antichrist. He is going to stand up and say, He is God. And he's going to demand worship. Before Jacob died, he called all of his sons Gather yourself together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. And he started to prophesy on his sons. And uh, Christopher, in in his message, spoke about the fact that it wasn't Reuben who was the firstborn, should have got the blessing. The spiritual blessing went to Judah. The physical blessing went to Joseph and his sons. Judah is a lion's wealth. That means a young lion from the prey, my son. Thou art gone up, he stooped down, he couches a lion, and is an old lion, who shall rouse him up? And he makes this prophecy. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. Unto him shall be the gathering of the people. In the Old Testament, there's two pronunciations of your death. They could say you were cut off from your people. That meant you died an unrighteous death. That means you were going to be separated from God. Or they could pronounce that you were gathered to your people. J- Here, Jacob is prophesying that the final gathering will be through Jesus. And that he was going to be the one to gather all of the righteous to God. That was God's plan. The Bible says Christ was God was in Christ doing what? Reconciling the world to himself. If you could stand with me. That's why when John the Baptist, sorry, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle, got his revelation of heaven and he saw one sitting with the scroll and no one at first could open the book. He wept because, as I've taught, I really believe it's the book of life. In fact, in Revelation 13, it speaks about, it says, the lambs. Book of life. And no one was found worthy. Everybody, because of sin, if that book couldn't be opened, was going to be eternally cut off. If the names could not be read, if the book could not be opened, we were going to be eternally cut off. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book. See, no man could. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold... The Lion of the tribe of Judah. The prophecy that had come from Jacob thousands of years before. In Genesis 49.10 started to be fulfilled. That's why sometimes we wait a long time for God's promise to be fulfilled. But the Bible says, wait upon it. It It will tarry, but it shall come to pass. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. You see, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament was not God, it was the mediators. In Job chapter 4, he says he charged his angels with folly. Even Moses, as good a man as he was, the Bible said he was the meekest man there was. And even he, after 40 years, lost his temper, got mad, and broke one of the great symbols that God wanted to set up, right? He had told Moses, strike the rock the first time. Because who was the rock? Jesus. He was only crucified one time. And he said, don't you strike that rock again, but you go speak to the rock. That's what we're supposed to do now. What are we supposed to do? We speak to him. But some of us, crucifying him again you know what we're doing we're striking the rock what happened to Moses because of striking the rock the second time he couldn't enter the promised land not in his flesh he could not get see we're only to speak to him now he was struck one time he said if I be lifted up I will draw all and he said if any, if, if any man thirst let him come to me and out of his belly will flow what And in the New Testament, it's revealed that he was that rock that followed them. He was the the one who provided water all the time, 40 years in the wilderness. And he was never to be crucified twice. And that's why God was so upset with Moses because symbolically that's what he did. He was so angry with the people that he disobeyed God and he struck the rock again twice. We don't want to do that. Today we are called to just speak to him. We can fall on our knees and say, Jesus. We can come before a throne of grace. And Bible says we can obtain mercy. Whenever we call upon his name. But blind Bartimaeus, he heard Jesus was passing by. And they said, shut up, you're making too much noise. Don't disturb him. You know, he did. He cried out the more. That's what we got to do when we're going through some things. When we want our deliverance. When Jesus is passing by, we have to cry out the more. It's not time to stop. It's not time to crucify him. It's time to cry out. That's what time it is. Hallelujah. And then we see God's true voice. Because he has come to bring us back to what Adam lost. To make us sons. Heirs and joint heirs. Kings and priests. And the Bible says in Revelation, and we shall reign. Because we were created to be his glory. You know, we have no idea really what Adam and Eve was like. The only only way it was revealed is through Jesus Christ. And the only time he really revealed what a son of God is like was when he was on the mountain and transfigured. That is exactly what we're going to look like. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard what God has got prepared, but it's been revealed through the Spirit. We can see it by faith. Amen. I'm closing this Bible study, but I hope you have been encouraged. It's the mediator that makes the difference. We don't have to bring a turtle dove or a bull or a goat. We don't have to sacrifice an animal. The Bible says we are the sacrifice. Knowing not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we are a living sacrifice we should be holy and acceptable amen if you could bow your hearts with me father we thank you tonight for your word let it find good soil let us be encouraged lord as the time grows short as your coming is near to look up for our redemption draweth nigh lord we ask for your blessing for your holy spirit to surround us as we go lord let your protection will rest and remain upon us that our faith will increase hallelujah that we will walk as children of god we thank you for your goodness and your love and because we are your portion oh god and you are our portion we give you the praise and the glory In Jesus' name, hallelujah, let's give God some praise right now.